Yeah. Okay, so yeah, we're in this series, The Holy Spirit, and um, today we're going to be looking at the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, it's one of the, uh, there's various doctrines around the Holy Spirit, and the fruit of the Holy Spirit is one of them. We're going to be doing that today. The whole point of this series, I've said it before, is to, um, to learn about the Holy Spirit, but not, it's not just about getting information. It's about getting a deeper relationship, a deeper understanding of the Holy Spirit so that our relationship with God and our walking in his presence is better uh, day by day. We don't want just to know more, we want to become more, right? Because we're on a journey, aren't we? We're on a journey uh, as believers, as followers of Jesus, we're on a journey uh, towards who he's made us to be, which is to become more like him. And so that's the whole point of the series. And we've seen in previous weeks how the Holy Spirit has been around since the beginning, the very, very beginning, uh, right from the book of Genesis. The Holy Spirit will be around at the end. If you read the, the last but one chapter of Revelation, the Holy Spirit is present there. The Holy Spirit is eternal. He's, he's God. We looked at a couple of weeks ago about as part of the Trinity and how the Trinity is a bit of a tricky subject to tackle because it's, it's a little bit confusing. One God, three persons, three natures, how can that be? Each one being 100% God, but together they make 100%. It doesn't mathematically work, but actually it's one of those kind of supernatural things that we just have to accept on faith and believe and uh, see outworked in our life. Uh, so the Holy Spirit, uh, during the Old Testament, we see how he came on believers, uh, specific uh, kind of uh, prophets and people and judges and leaders for specific tasks, tasks at specific times. But then when Jesus came on the earth, everything changed. Because in the, when he gets baptized, we read that the Holy Spirit comes on him and remains on him. The Holy Spirit is able to dwell in Jesus. And he's able to live out his ministry and walk. Hey, guys, come in. Nice to see you. Don't worry, we know you've kind of been hitting traffic. Um, uh, welcome. Um, so we know that the Holy Spirit, uh, he came on believers, but he didn't remain. But then with Jesus, he came on Jesus. Because Jesus was sinless, he, remained, he was able to remain on him just like he is uh, for us. And we read that Jesus was led by the Spirit. And everything Jesus did, all his three years of ministry, was empowered by the Holy Spirit. Everything he did, because he was, he was a man, he was God-man, but everything he did, all the miracles he did, was through the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why he said, you, meaning me and you, will do even greater things than I have done. You'll do the same things. You'll do greater things because I'm going to the Father. He said that because actually he said the same power that was in Jesus, in me, is going to be in you too. So you should expect the same things if we're walking, if we're led, if we're guided by the Holy Spirit day to day. So we know that Jesus uh, was, he, he walked on this earth, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit, he died and was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. And then we get to the end of the Gospels, when he goes back to heaven, and we hit the book of Acts. We come to the book of Acts, okay? That's right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then we get Acts. So the very first verse of the book of Acts says this. 
In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. So, who's writing this? This is a guy called Luke, the same guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. So he's saying, in my former book, he's talking about the Gospel of Luke, Theophilus is a guy that he wrote both of those books too. He says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. Now, uh, we know a little bit about Luke. He was a doctor. He was an educated man. Scholars say that he was kind of logical in his thinking. He was uh, able to uh, put concisely details down, and they say his use of language was very, very skilled, almost classical in a way. Um, And there was a precision in his writing. So if you're somebody who is quite a scientific or a mathematical person or a logical person, Luke is a great place to start for you. Because when he, you know, the Gospel of Luke is written in a very logical, precise way. And then so is the book of Acts as well. Luke is a great guy if that's your kind, if you're wired that way. Um, so he was, it was precise, he was a careful writer, he was observant. But there's an inference here. He says, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach. So there's an inference that as he's starting to write the book of Acts, he's going to continue to tell us about more things that Jesus is going to do and teach. All right? He's going to do more things. And it's an interesting verse, this one. And I think actually, if you connect it to the the verse that comes previously, obviously this is the beginning of the book of Acts. The previous book to that is the the Gospel of John, if we read the very last verse of the Gospel of John, it says this, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. So Jesus has already done plenty, all right? He's done so, so much. He's taught a lot, he's said a lot, um, but there's more. That was only the beginning. Luke is saying, no, no, no. What he's done, what he did while he was here on this earth, that was just the beginning. He's gone up to heaven now, but it's not the end. It's the beginning of what Jesus wants to do and to teach. And he's now going to be working through the Holy Spirit, just like he said. And that's where the book of Acts comes in. Now, the full title of the book of Acts is Acts of the Apostles. Quite a long title, and we shorten it to Acts. And, you know, that's kind of really what it is. It's, it's the, the story and the narrative of the apostles uh, growing and starting and kind of moving out from Jerusalem to begin the early church. But I wonder if a better title would be the Acts of Jesus working through the disciples empowered by the Holy Spirit. It's a bit of a mouthful, so let's stick, let's stick with Acts, all right? But you get the idea. It's the Acts of Jesus working through his disciples who are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That is to say, Jesus' ministry isn't finished. It's not done. It's a long way, long, long way around to say that. Right? Jesus' ministry is not done. The work he began while he was physically on this earth, he continued and he still continues today through the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus himself said as much on the night that he was going to uh, be arrested and die, and he was talking to his disciples, he said this, I have much more to say to you, 
more than you can now bear. He said, I've got so much more. He said, I've taught you a lot, but actually, there's a lot, but you, you can't handle it. You know where I'm going, you can't, you can't handle the truth. Yeah, no, a few good men. He said, but you can't handle it. There's a lot. And then he's about to die, and he knows he's about to die, and he's about to be resurrected, and he understands that once the disciples have got that context to work from, they'll be able to learn a whole lot more. He said, but when he, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, remember last week we looked at how the Holy Spirit is, is personal, it's not just an energy force. When he, the Spirit of Truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So the Holy Spirit, in a way, is the channel for Jesus to get all this much more, all this extra, the more stuff that he wants us to know into our hearts, into our minds. He's going to use the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit has a, has a lot of tasks and job titles. If you uh, just a cursory look through the New Testament, particularly through Paul's letters, we see that the Holy Spirit is a, um, uh, is a, is a teacher, he's a guide, he's a comforter, he's an advocate. We looked at this last week. He's an intercessor. He brings conviction to those who don't believe yet. He convicts their heart. He brings truth to believers, to, to Jesus' disciples. He illuminates scripture. I don't know if you do this when you're reading the Bible. Just say, Holy Spirit, reveal new truths to me. And he does. You remember, you, you, you know you can read the same verse again and again and suddenly you see something brand new, a light comes on that you've never seen before. Even though you've read that verse like 300 times, that's the Holy Spirit illuminating Scripture. And it's part of one of the things he does, is to illuminate Scripture, bring revelation. We know that the Holy Spirit was involved in creation at the beginning, and he was also instrumental in bringing together the words of the Bible. The Holy Spirit working through all the writers throughout history from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It says that their words were Holy Spirit guided. He unites the believer with God. He connects us to God, the Holy Spirit does, and he connects God to us. He unites us with each other because you've got the Holy Spirit in you. I've got the Holy Spirit in me. There's a connection between us as brothers and sisters he gives gifts to us. He develops fruit in us. Uh, we're told also that he's the seal of our inheritance. He lets us know what our standing is before God and that our eternity is assured. The Holy Spirit does so much. But, but his chief aim, the Holy Spirit's primary purpose is to glorify Jesus to glorify in everything that he does his chief aim is to bring glory to Jesus he works in us he works through us to give ultimately give the attention away from himself the holy spirit is not about getting the attention he's all about putting the attention back to Jesus in a way i've seen this i've heard it described like this the holy spirit is is a bit like a floodlight a bit like a floodlight. Now, I don't know, we, we know that the uh, Euro 2020 has just started this weekend. We're all really excited, aren't we? All of us. 
so excited about these football matches we're going to get to watch over the next four weeks. Um, but if you, went to one, if you went to Wembley today, I think it's at Wembley today, and saw England playing Croatia, uh, and you were sat in the stadium, and, and you looked at the floodlights, and you saw how amazingly beautiful these floodlights were, and you spent the whole game just gazing at the floodlights, and there's a, you know, they all scream goal because England's just scored the fourth goal of the match, and, and, and it's all going so well. But you're there, oh, hold on, no, 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 I'm just looking at the floodlight. He wouldn't do that, it wouldn't make sense because the, the floodlight's there to illuminate what's going on on the pitch. And that's like the Holy Spirit. We don't focus on the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want us to focus on Him, He wants us to focus on Jesus, and He wants to throw all His light on Jesus and to illuminate what Jesus has done for us and he's doing uh, for us. He's saying, look what he's done. Look what he's doing. So, in the Gospels, we saw all that Jesus began to do and to teach. And now through the Holy Spirit, Jesus continues to do more in us and through us. And this is where we come to today. The Holy Spirit at work in us, individually, transforming us, into the likeness of Jesus. Making us more like Jesus day to day. That's the trajectory that we should be on. And when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, we're going to look at that in uh, Galatians, what Paul writes about the fruit of the Spirit. But really, that's what it is about. It's about our lives looking more and more like Jesus every day. On that, that path. Um, Paul writes to the Corinthians, he says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory. That's a reference to uh, Moses having to veil his face because the children of Israel couldn't look at him because he was radiating the Lord's glory and it was, uh, you know, it, it was too painful. So he would cover, he would veil his face. But now actually, because of the new covenant, because of Jesus' death, uh, we don't have to veil anymore. We've got this glory in us through the Holy Spirit. He says, we... Who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. That's the path that we're on, looking more and more like Jesus. And I guess that means wearing sandals and, and a nice blue sash and kind of a little dress thing and blonde hair, blue eyes, because that's what Jesus looked like, right? Probably not. So when people talk about what the Holy Spirit does, I think we often default to talking about the spiritual gifts. Yeah, what does the Holy Spirit? Oh, he gives us gifts. He gives us great gifts. He gives us gifts like uh, leadership, apostleship. He gives us wisdom and words of knowledge and speaking in tongues and um, prophecy and encouragement. These are gifts given by the Spirit for the building up of the church, and they are great. However, the work that the Holy Spirit does in us individually, what we call the fruit of the Spirit, is much more about our character and our Christ-likeness. And if we want to know how we're growing as Christ followers, we don't look at the gifts. We look at the fruit. We look at the fruit. We don't see, we don't, I don't check to see how gifted you are. Because actually, you can operate in the gifts of the Spirit and at the same time be gratifying the desires of the flesh. 
You can be. You've probably heard of, of great pastors and teachers and church leaders who have an amazing ministry, really, really gifted people. But it turns out actually all the while they, were, they had this hidden sin in their life that nobody knew about. It's because God gifts those gifts through the Holy Spirit to us, to whomever, whoever he wants. But it's the fruit. It's the fruit that's in our lives that will, that, will, that will show what our character is and whether we are becoming more like Jesus day to day. The gifts receive far more attention, far more accolades than the quiet, almost hidden fruit of the Spirit. And yet, it doesn't take much effort to operate in the gifts. But actually, when you're manifesting fruit, it's like dying to yourself every day, every single day, as a real discipline. So, what are these nine character traits that Paul tells us are the fruit of the Spirit? There's a list that he writes in uh, his letter to the Galatian church. It's in chapter 5. I'm going to read a few verses before so you get a little bit of context for it. Um, And he says this, You were called to be free. That's interesting. The whole book of the Galatians is is, um, kind of telling them off really. Because they keep going back to their law-based thinking. They keep going back to the kind of religious mindset of thinking that they're going to be saved through doing works. And he's saying, no, stop, you have freedom. You've got freedom. He says, for freedom that Christ has set us free. And he's saying, you were called to be free. But then he says a but. He says, but do not use that freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. He's saying, look, you you keep trying to go back to the 613 commands of the Old Testament. You don't need to do that. One command, which sums all that up anyway. Love your neighbor as yourself. He said, love as I have loved you, you should love one another. Love, love, love. That's the new command. So I say... Walk by the Spirit, okay? Better walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. It doesn't say operate in your gifts or try really hard and you will not gratify them. It says walk in the Spirit. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with one another. But if you are led by the Spirit, so we've had walk by the Spirit, led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. The acts or the works of the flesh are obvious. Um, And then there's kind of like four different uh, groupings of uh, sins, acts of the flesh that he he mentions. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery. So they're all kind of uh, sins of of the body, of of the flesh, of physical sins. Idolatry and witchcraft. So those are sins where you put things ahead of God. Putting things in your life ahead of God. It's not just worshipping, bowing down to a wooden statue. It's, you know, you might put your money, your wealth, your career, other things, even your family ahead of God. That's a form of idolatry. And then he goes on to hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy. They all come under like a, a temper thing. What's your, what's your temper like? You know, when... when the rubber hits the road. How are you at controlling your, your temper and your rage? 
And then lastly, drunkenness and orgies and the like. Okay, so then he says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this, so if you are habitually living with these sins, you are gratifying the desires of the flesh habitually. It's not just you mess up once and you repent and you, uh, you know, you, you're, you're walking with God. It's if you are habitually doing these things, then you will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then there's this wonderful word. But. But. Great. Okay, so there's all that. But there's another way. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So we've got walk by the Spirit, be led by the Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Four different ways of really saying the same thing. I like that last one, keeping in step. It reminds me of my, um, my school days. I am not much of a sportsman. I wasn't very good at sports. Okay, I do like a game of stuff occasionally, but I, at sports day, I didn't really do very well, except for the three-legged race. I was master. Not on my own, obviously, that doesn't work. But uh, with me and a guy, my mate, called Michael Muckabadai. He was an Indian guy. He was a... He was a musician like I was. We both played, he played the bassoon, I played the trumpet, and uh, we were involved in orchestras, and we were, we were you know, pretty good musicians, but it meant that we had rhythm. And so, all right, we, for like three or four years on the run, we would stand at the starting line of the three-legged race, you know, your leg tied together, and we'd be going, one, two, one, two, and they would blow the whistle to start, and we would be off. At a show, and we would be in step and we would gradually get faster we'd be talking to each other keeping the rhythm going and we won by a mile every year and I think that's what it's like keeping in step with the spirit we need to be attached to the spirit we need to be we need to be walking at, moving at the same pace at the spirit not trying to go ahead we need to be um, listening to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us one, two, one, two Keep in step, keep in step. And he will take us where we need to go. That's how the fruit will be developed in us. Something else that's interesting about this. It says the fruit of the Spirit. And that word fruit is a singular word. It's not a plural word. Which is odd because there's nine of them. But it's not. It's not a, it's not a bowl of fruit. Alright, it's one single fruit. Maybe it's a fruit with nine segments, but it's one single fruit. Why am I hammering this point? Why am I being so pedantic that you know that it's a single fruit? Well, this is really important. Because if you say to me, love, yeah, tick, got that. Joy, yeah, 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 I'm pretty joyful. Tick that. Peace, yeah, got that. Patience, uh. Self-control, uh, no, I'm afraid I lose my patience quite a lot. Then I would say to you, the love and joy and the peace that you think you've, you're operating in the fruit of the Spirit, you're probably not. You're probably not. Because they come as one thing. Love, joy, peace. 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. It's one fruit. And when you're walking by the Spirit, these things will be manifest in you and will be growing in you daily. I'll talk more about this in just a moment. But I think sometimes we can give ourselves a free pass. We don't generally give others a free pass, but we give ourselves a free pass when we say, oh, it's just the way I am, it's just my character. I'm impatient, or I'm a perfectionist. That's why I lose my temper a lot, because other people, they don't just live up to, to what I think they should be doing. And so I lose, you know, that's not right. If we're walking in the Spirit, these are the fruit, all nine of them, that we should be manifesting. <coughs> if some are missing... We need to go and get ourselves connected back to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. We need to tie our legs together again and start to keep in step with the Spirit. Okay, so how do we crucify the desires of the flesh that are present in each of us? How do we get to a place when we are manifesting, exhibiting all these fruit? Let's come back to our starting point. What do we say? Jesus began to teach and do some things. And now he's continuing to teach us and do some things through the power of the Holy Spirit. And we just read what we have to do. It says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires. Of the... You won't do those other things if you're walking by the Spirit. So what does this look like? I've got three, three ideas that I think we need to aim for in order for us to walk by the Spirit. All right, so first one, number one. Simple, come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. Matthew 11, Jesus says this, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let me let you into a little secret. It's easy for a fruit tree to produce fruit. Okay? Let me say it again. It's easy for a fruit tree to produce fruit. It's not an effort or a struggle. It's not exhausting or, or mechanical. It's an organic process. And when the conditions are right, the tree can do nothing else but produce fruit. When the conditions are right. We don't... Focus on the fruit. We don't put little bits of water on the fruit. We don't kind of polish the fruit when we're tending. What do we do? We tend the tree. We water the tree. We make sure the tree is in good soil. We make sure that the tree is healthy. We give it food and nourishment. And if it's in a good position, if it's in good soil, if the tree is healthy, then the fruit will grow and it will be healthy fruit. And the fruit of the Spirit is a result of intimacy with God, with Jesus. The fruit of the Spirit is a result of intimacy with God. Coming to Jesus and allow Him to do the work in you. Spending time with Jesus. We've said it a lot. Having a daily devotional where you read the Word. That's how we get to know Him. Where we pray to Him and listen to His voice where we worship Him and seek Him, when we get connected to a small group, when we come on Sunday together, planted in a church, all these things are cultivating 
the soil and tending to the tree. None of those things make you a Christian. Okay? Going to church, attending a small group, having a daily devotional doesn't make you a Christian. There's only one way to become a Christian and that's believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, that he has saved you by his death. Yeah? But all these things are the way that we grow and develop as disciples, as believers. It's how we walk with the Spirit. And if you are finding Christian life wearisome or difficult, if you find yourself having to make a mammoth effort in order to show people these fruit, what, you know, these nice things, love, joy, peace, if it costs so much to you, if it's a massive effort, if to not sin or to not get angry with people, if you have constant feelings on the inside of impatience and anger, but you wrestle with yourself to try and show patience and joy and peace, Jesus says, no, 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 let go of that burden. He says, come to me. Come to me if you're weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There is a yoke that we have to take. There is a burden but it's easy and it's light. It's not a struggle. The fruit of the Spirit are not a struggle when the conditions are right. Come to me if you're struggling in that way, Jesus says. And he says, learn from me. Learn from me. That's the first thing, come to Jesus. The second thing, remain in Jesus. Again, on the night he was arrested, Jesus said this to his disciples. He says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Now Jesus is here establishing three metaphors. We've got the vine, the branches, the gardener. And in case you missed it, Jesus is pretty clear, but the vine is Jesus, the gardener is God the Father, and the branches, that's me and you. That's us. We are the branches. And he's saying the branch needs to be, not. you don't just connect to the vine, you have to remain connected to the vine. He doesn't just call himself the vine either. He calls himself the true, the true vine. That word uh, is the Greek word alethanos, which means uh, genuine, absolutely real, the only real one. All right? The true vine. And you have probably, like I have, tried to connect to other vines to try and fix these things you want to develop more fruit so you go to self-help books so you uh you put scriptures on your fridge you think that will sort it out you try your real hardest to do better and better you kind of get into religious activity you go into legalism that's another vine there's a vine of wealth and career. You plug yourself into various other vines in order to try and develop better fruit in you. But we've got to connect to the true vine. And we've got to remain connected to the true vine, which is Jesus. And when we're connected to those other vines, we're, we're probably going to look like we're bearing fruit. But we can bear fake fruit. 
We have a plum tree in our garden. And for some reason this year, it's right in the middle of the garden. It's not in a very good place, to be honest, when you've got kids who like to play ball. But we've, we, it's not showing much fruit, okay? There are not many plums on our plum tree. And it's probably because we've had the volleyball set up next to it all summer, the volleyball net, and we've been playing, you know, and it gets whacked every so often. Um, but let's say we've got this meal today. We, you're, a lot of you are coming around to our house for some fellowship, and let's say I think to myself, oh, no, it's got no plums on it. I know what I'll do. I'll pop to Tesco on the way home, and I'll buy some plums. And I'll put some string in those plums, and I'll hang them on the tree. And if you're looking from our kitchen... You look at that tree and go, yeah, man, that looks fruitful. But the moment you get close, that's not real fruit at all. That's fake. That's fake. You've just bought plums and hung them on. That's not real. We can actually fake the fruit of the Spirit. We can. We can fake it. I can connect myself to a vine that's not Jesus. I can buy a self-help book and I can, or simply decide to do better and then I can really try and show you love and look, I'm joyful and I've got peace and I'm patient. But inside, it's a struggle. It's painful. And it's because it's, it's fake. It's not real. It's not the fruit of the Spirit. It's just me trying Harder. I'm sure you've done that. I've done that. Where we try harder to show it. I can pretend to be patient while all the inside is just a riot of emotions. The Pharisees were experts at this. Looking like they're doing the, you know, exhibiting the right fruit on the outside. And Jesus said to them, guys, you are whitewashed tombs. There's death and decay on the inside, but you've just covered it with paint. And we can do that. What's going to happen to my plums that are hanging on the tree if you come back on Tuesday or Wednesday after they've been in the hot sun for a few days they're going to be rotting they're going to be rotting aren't they and, and I could say oh I'll just buy plums every other day and keep them you know keep fresh plums hanging there and really try hard but that's not the way at all they've got to be connected to the vine in order that they get the nourishment and the sustenance and that that way they will not just uh, stay alive they will grow they will grow I need to remain in Jesus allow him to remain in me through the Holy Spirit it takes time it takes discipline but the result will be fruit that is genuine the result will be fruit that is genuine not fake now, we live in a bit of a now culture. Thank you, Amazon, for that. Don't we? We want everything now. And Amazon, he, we love it that if I order something, it will come today or even tomorrow. And that's just great for us. But let me let you off the hook here a little bit. I'm not expecting to get to the end of this message and for you to be all sorted with your fruit. It takes time. This is going to take your whole life, actually. It's going to take your whole life. And yes, hopefully, we'll, as you do what we're supposed to, as you come to Jesus, as you remain in Jesus, hopefully we'll see little buds of fruit. We'll start to see some of these fruit will start to appear in small measure. But as you continue, it will grow and it will grow. It's a process. Genuine fruit takes time.
Okay, finally, clothe yourself with Jesus. Come to Jesus, remain in Jesus, clothe yourself with Jesus. So uh, Paul writing to the Roman church said this, the night uh, is nearly over, the day is almost, day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime. Not in carousing, carousing, carousing. What is carousing? Is it like partying, is that? Okay. I think you're allowed to party. I just think you shouldn't have wild, drunken parties, maybe. Okay, not in carousing or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension, kind of arguing and, and jealousy. So it's actually that list is very, very similar to the list that he brought up in Galatians. Similar themes, really. And it said, rather, again, instead of the word but, before you but, we have the fruit of the Spirit, rather, he said, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ. Do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. So this is so similar to the Galatians 5 passage about the fruit of the Spirit. But here he's giving us more of a clue. He said, you have to clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how we're going to manifest fruit. It's a daily thing. We put clothes on daily, don't we? I hope. Maybe. Actually, our daughter Eliza, she's a, uh, she loves taking off her clothes. She does. If, she, if it's gone quiet for like 20 minutes, and then I wonder where she is. She'll be somewhere in a room playing, and she will have taken all her clothes off, or running around the garden naked as anything. She's so like her mother. Um, <laughs> But that's not what we do, right? That's not what we do. We don't roll that way. We, didn't say, we don't wake up this morning and go, I wore clothes yesterday and Friday. I'm not going to wear clothes today. We put clothes on every day, don't we, Erica? Absolutely. Absolutely. And when it, comes to <laughs> when it comes to clothing ourselves in Christ Jesus, it's a daily thing. It's a continual thing. It's similar to the verse we read last week about being filled with the Holy Spirit. Remember, it doesn't just mean once, one time. It's not be filled. It's be continually filled. It's, it's present, continuous. And clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the same thing. It's a present, continuous. Do it now. Do it tomorrow. Do it every day. Do it always. We make a conscious decision to do it because the desires of the flesh, I'm sorry to tell you, they will always be in you. They don't go. While we're in this body, while we're on this earth, the desires of the flesh remain in us. So we need to have an alternative. And when we don't do the alternative, we will default back to the desires of the flesh. We do. We start to gratify those things again. It's our default mode because we're fallen people. We have to make a decision to clothe ourselves with Jesus daily. It's no use saying, I'm just going to stop doing those things. We have to replace those temptations and those uh, actions with something better. Growing fruit. Keep on growing. There isn't a point where we say, I've made it. I've got the fruit now. I've done it. Remember what I said at the beginning? The whole point of the fruit of the Spirit is to become more like Jesus. So unless you're sat there saying, yes, I'm like Jesus. I've done it. I'm just exactly like him. 
Actually, I don't think you are. Unless we're saying that, we've got a ways to go. And I think we always will. And when we do start to bear real fruit, when that fruit starts to grow in us, what does God, the gardener, do? We read it in the previous verse. He prunes it. He wants it to be more fruitful. What does that look like? Well, I think pruning can be pretty painful, actually. I think he'll say, yes, yes, you're demonstrating love. Let me introduce you to someone who's, who's going to test that and make that love grow even more and that patience even more. Yeah. He does that. He, does. he actually does because he wants to see that fruit grow in us. It's not something we ever feel like we make. We get there. Stay connected to the vine. God would say, stay connected to the vine. Even though you've got these difficult circumstances, stay connected to the vine and we'll watch together how that fruit will grow and manifest in you. And it will be effortless because the conditions are right. You put in all your efforts into getting the conditions right and the fruit will just be a, a natural outflow of that. And we'll become more like Jesus every day. So this is how the right fruit grows in us. Come to Jesus, remain in Jesus, clothe ourselves with Jesus, and we will see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control will just be evident naturally. Finally, let's go back to this last scripture. We all with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. How great that we get to be on this journey. And we don't have to do it alone. We're here together. Yeah. We're here together. It makes, it, it makes the journey not just bearable, it makes the journey exciting because we get to do it with other believers, other brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen. I'm done.